It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. That's our pleasure, folks. My name's Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the advisors on the show, along with fellow financial advisors Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Hey, have you ever wondered whether there's a better way to approach your investments? I have. Good. Yes. If you're like most investors, you may be relying on your gut a little bit too much to guide your portfolio decisions. And as normal as that may be, it's also dangerous. So today we're going to be talking about an evidence-based approach to your investments with our friend and fellow certified financial planner, Jeff Bernier from Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. Hey, if you have a question, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us three different ways. First, give us a call, shoot us a text, 574-222-2000. Second, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there, as well as catch up on previous episodes. Lastly, follow us, connect with us, Facebook, Twitter, and soon YouTube at Wise Money Radio. I am so excited for this show, and and actually, I'm always excited to talk about investment planning. It's one of my favorite topics, but I'm really excited to have Jeff with us on the show today. It's it's my pleasure to have him. It's our pleasure to have him. He's actually been a great friend of Kevin's for a long time, so I'm going to have Kevin introduce Jeff real quick. Well, it's certainly a pleasure to have Jeff Bernier here at the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group here in the Corhorn Financial Group studio. <laughs> and. I met Jeff in 1997 at the Strategic Coach, and the Strategic Coach is a coaching program for entrepreneurs, and we were in the program together for four years. And that program for me, and I would say for Jeff as well, just completely changed our business lives. And we, out of that, we um, became a group of friends, if you will. And uh, the guys that we became friends with, we um, remain friends with to this day. We do a quarterly conference call, and once a year we get uh, together to do an on-site visit at one of our offices to do peer coaching and share learnings and ideas. And, uh, you know, some people wonder why I invest in these relationships and meeting other guys. Jeff's from Atlanta, Rob is from Washington, D.C., Larry's from Houston, and the main reason is that these guys are the best. Yeah, They're on the cutting edge, and um, they are a peer group that doesn't exist in town. Um, I'm good friends with a lot of uh, other advisors in town, but these guys are, are from around the country in bigger cities, and they're exceptional at what they do, and they're very collaborative. And so I like to learn from the very best in the business and hopefully um, share a little bit with them as well. So, Jeff, why don't you tell us about yourself? Well, thank you, Kevin. And I, I feel the same way about uh, Kevin and the team here. Um, you know, as you start an entrepreneurial enterprise, which we all did at some point, it can be lonely. Yeah. And uh, the financial services industry changes rapidly. Technology changes Capital markets change, client goals and needs change, and so it's just really, really cool to have a group of like-minded uh, professionals that you can collaborate with. And uh, so it's my privilege actually to be here. So I thank you guys for inviting me. Uh, so I'm the founder 
president and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors. Tandem Growth is an Atlanta-based wealth management firm that is passionate about helping our clients create the capacity, um, the time, and the financial margin to go pursue their vision of a meaningful life. So that's that's what we're about as a firm. Uh, I've been uh, serving clients for a little bit over 31 years. I've uh, been married to my wife, Ashley, for 25 of those 30, and we have two two great kids, Nick, uh, who's 20, and Natalie, who's 18. All so, right. again, thanks for thanks for inviting me wow. along. Wow. We're glad to have you. I'd say the two topics that we get the most questions about are investment planning and retirement planning. And, and the great news is we're actually going to have Jeff do two shows with us. Today we're going to devote just to investment planning. And the next one, we're going to have him on in October. We're going to talk about his retirement approach, how that uh, is a little different maybe than what you've thought of before. So as we kick off the discussion about investments, let me ask you, what's your investment strategy? Do you even know? Is it based on, or is your financial advisor basing the investment decisions just on guesses or a whim like Josh brought up earlier? Or is there evidence and research backing it up? So we're going to dive in there, Jeff, but in general, how would you describe the investment approach of the average new person who comes in off the street to meet with you? Yeah, I I would say generally speaking, we live in what I would call a selection and timing culture where many people believe that outperformance, whatever, whatever that actually means, is a financial goal. And I think so many people believe that by owning investments that will beat some arbitrary benchmark, will somehow endow them with the retirement income they cannot live, educate their children, leave meaningful legacies, and so forth. When in fact, you know, outperformance is not a financial goal. And what I have found is that the harder investors try to beat markets, uh, the less they even equal markets. Yeah, I I heard this uh, saying recently, your investment portfolio is like a bar of soap. The more you handle it, the less of it you have. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and so the more people, like you said, are trying to chase this uh, th- this this idea that I can find something, this needle in the haystack, and, and that will provide me with outperformance of some benchmark. The more they try to do that, actually, they are fulfilling really the opposite right. often. Right. Yeah, and oftentimes people don't meet their financial goals not because of what their investments do, because of what they do. Yeah. And so, again, I think as advisors, we are behavior coaches as much as we are investment managers. What would you guys add to that? I mean, brand new person off the street, what what investment philosophy? I know one stands out to me. What what would you guys? What's the investment philosophy that they come in with? Yeah. You know, um, I, I think most people, the conversation turns to what kind of risk level are they willing to accept? Mm. And one of my observations recently is that many people don't really know what their risk tolerance is. They know they're not on the extremes, right? I, I know I shouldn't be so conservative that I'm taking no risk and I know I shouldn't be speculating, but it, I'm somewhere in between. And sometimes it's not as helpful to just talk about the emotions of the, the investing. It's also, uh, what is the level of risk that you need to be taking for your goals to be achievable? Oh, absolutely. And and that's exactly what your philosophy is, I believe, Jeff. That um, y- you know, it's it's about making sure that your investments are doing the work that they need to do, so that you can live the life that you want to live. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and a lot of folks when they first come in, the I ask the question, how do you make your investment decisions? And it's interesting to get. A, a variety of different answers, but most folks don't have a, a formal background, a formal training, a, a formal study 
of capital markets and different types of investments, different types of investment strategies, et cetera. So there, most folks have picked something up from someone and whether it's the guy or gal next to them at work or maybe uh, on the rare occasion that their, their, their parents give them leadership as it relates to their financial lives uh, from mom or dad. But most folks don't really have a way that they make their investment decisions. And a lot of times the answer is, well, that's why we're here. Yeah. I, I've seen a common approach used by a lot of folks that I've just started calling following the crowd. And it's, it's this one. Tell me if you've done this. Um, you get your investment statement, maybe your 401k statement, and you look and see how you did. And then you flip maybe two or three pages in and you see the list of all your options. And you say, okay, how did those do? And you look to see the ones that did the best over the most recent quarter, the most recent year. And you say, okay, those ones must be good. And these ones that didn't do as well must be bad. When in fact, those ones maybe that did perform poorly this quarter might be the very best ones that will outperform next quarter, right? And if you're constantly trying to follow the crowd and pick the one that just did the best, hoping that that one will continue to do the best, boy, you're chasing your tail. And like Jeff said, you can often make some foolish decisions that lead to underperformance right. over the long term. And, and our industry doesn't help either, I don't think. I mean, oftentimes we spend, the industry spends mm-hmm. so much time focusing on the product solution, the, the, you know, the star manager when there's really no evidence to suggest that they can be predicted or uh, forecast in the future how they're going to do in the future. Right. So the difficult thing is, again, our industry has created this mindset that picking the perfect manager is the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not only that, so you mentioned the star system, but not only that, but we've got all sorts of financial radio shows. I mean, like this one uh, or, <laughs> or media outlets or news or so on that are constantly talking about how these are the four stocks you need to own or these are the four mutual funds. We, we want to dispel that actually today. Actually, that's something we want to do every week on the Wise Money Show. I'm going to talk about a more balanced approach, a financial planning based approach, but one that uh, we're going to dive in here shortly with Jeff, talk about research, his approach, and all of that. So that and much more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard, alongside Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory, as well as special guest certified financial planner Jeff Bernier from Atlanta, Alpharetta, Georgia, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. So the Atlanta-based area, he's here. He's been a friend of our firm for a number of years. We're very collaborative with his office and talking about different investment strategies and so on. And we're talking about investments today. Uh, I want to sp- say special thanks to Ledoux, Kern, and Keen, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. If you have any questions, anytime we're talking about investments, investment strategy, folks have lots of questions. Is the market too high? Should I try to outperform the market? All sorts of things. Reach out to us, 574-222-2000. You can call or text and leave your question that way, or wisemoneyradio.com to submit your question online. We were just talking about the average person's investment approach, following the crowd or um, really not even knowing what approach to take. Let's start diving into, Jeff, what's your investment approach that you take with your clients? I know it's very similar to the one we use here at KFG. 
So why don't you start explaining your strategy? Okay, yeah, and I think your listeners will find a lot of similarities um, because first and foremost, we are goal-focused and planning-driven. So we believe that the financial plan should dictate the investment policy, not some uh, unreliable forecast or the fad of the day. So the financial plan drives the policy. Josh talked earlier about risk tolerance, and risk tolerance is important, uh, because we want to make sure clients can hold their portfolios for the long term, and a suboptimal portfolio that a client will stick with is better than the perfect portfolio that they want. Yeah. But so that deals with emotion and risk tolerance. But the financial plan deals with the need. It deals with what rate of return do we need to finance a goal, and in our view, that's the starting point in trying to decide what is the appropriate policy. You know, how much you have in stocks and bonds and cash and so forth. So number one, goal focused and planning driven. Number two. We believe in broad multiple asset class diversification, yeah. uh, which obviously means that we want uh, asset classes that don't all move in the same direction at the same time under most market environments. Which I tell you is one of the hardest things about investing. You think trying to beat the market is difficult. Just try staying diversified. Last year, I mean, so for the past four years, U.S. stocks have outperformed international. And so a lot of people, I don't know, Jeff, if you've had this discussion with folks recently, why do I even have these international stocks? Right. Right? Right. Well, so far this year, 2017, international is just pummeling U.S. Right. stocks. Right. Emerging markets up nearly 30% as of the end of August. And so it's, it's pretty interesting. That's why sticking to a diversified mix of investment is so important. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, the third thing I think we would say is uh, what we're really just trying to do is capture what markets deliver in a low-cost, tax-efficient way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really about – we trust capital markets. We trust uh, – I believe the growth in the capital markets is organic because equity prices over time follow corporate earnings, and corporate earnings follow growth in the economy. And growth in the economy really is the result of people getting up every day trying to live better today than they lived yesterday. So mm-hmm. growth in businesses is organic as we try to improve our lot in life. And ultimately, that gives, you, that gives us faith in being a shareholder in the world's great businesses. Uh, but we want to, so we want to capture that. We want to set ourselves to capture that in the most tax-efficient, low-cost way possible. The fourth thing I would say is we want to be tax-sensitive in how we allocate capital between various types of tax structures. So we want to stuff the sheltered accounts the tax-sheltered accounts with the least tax-efficient asset classes, and we want to stuff the taxable accounts with the most tax-efficient asset classes. So the goal here is, again, is to be thoughtful in what asset classes fit into various type of, of tax structures. Yep. The fifth thing I would say, and you just alluded to this, is it's very important to rebalance portfolios periodically. Mm-hmm. Because if you were rebalancing portfolios periodically, a year ago, you would have added some capital to international. That's right. Because it was underperforming U.S. You would have sold out of some of the growth in your small cap. Because even though the S&P got so much attention last year for having such a great year, small caps were actually the big winners, up 30-some percent. You would have sold some small cap, bought international, and guess what? Perfect timing, actually, by accident. Small right. caps not having a great year. International is. Yeah. So discipline, uh, discipline rebalancing is really important, and it does two things. The most important thing is it manages risk, but it can be a return enhancer for the reasons you just mentioned. You're allocating capital to those asset classes that uh, may be better value today because they've not performed well recently. And then finally, the last thing I would say is just we want to manage 
tax planning throughout the year. So uh, depending on a client's financial goals, we may be harvesting losses, we may be accelerating gains, we may be sh- gifting out low basis shares to charity. Um, so we want to be tax efficient in the way we manage the portfolios day to day as well. So that's, in a nutshell, those are the those are the primary the primary ideas. We want to be goal focused and planning driven. Uh, we want to have multiple asset class diversified strategies. Um, we want to capture the capital market results in a low cost tax efficient way. Um, we want to be tax wise the way we allocate capital between various types of accounts based on their tax mm-hmm. attributes. We want to rebalance portfolios periodically. And then finally, um, you know, that is, that is, it feels like uh, 80% of the work, but it's really 20% of the work. 80% of the work is the behavioral coaching. That's right. We can have mm-hmm. a lot more influence on our long-term clients' results based on helping them make healthy investment behavior decisions than we can on any of this. As a matter of fact, we have a graphic that we use that lists the six parts or pillars of our investment philosophy, and manager selection, product selection is number six. Huh. Planning is number one. Behavior coaching is number two. Well, and folks, I mean, you guys know planning is the focus here. You listen to that every Saturday on the Wise Money Show. We we try to emphasize, folks, it's about what are you doing to reach your goals? Have you built a plan, a, co- a cohesive one plan that captures all areas of your financial life to help you get towards your goals, not just trying to pick Apple over Microsoft. You know, as, as you've been talking, Jeff, about your investment philosophy, the the thought that's coming to my mind as I were to boil all that down is there is no one-size-fits-all approach to investing, is there? There's a process that you could walk every single one of your clients through but the results may be different because the plan is different, the need is different. And um, every client that you work with has a different destination in mind or a different life that they're envisioning. And, um, you you know, we talked earlier about some of the other approaches that people take, and one of them is to follow the crowd, another one is to try to take a one-size-fits-all. There's a, a growth in the number of funds out there that you could pick inside your 401k that are target date funds as if the only decision you need to make is just when am I going to retire and there we've got a mutual fund for you, right? Yeah. It's turnkey. It's easy. You don't have to think about it. You may not even have to learn anything new about your investments in order to, uh, you know, ride through uh, all the ups and the downs on that particular roller coaster ride. But the point, though, is uh, that one investment may not be the one that is going to take you where you need to go. Right. Yep. Yep. Hey, so uh, speaking of that, so you, you said something, Jeff, that we believe in, and it's it's sometimes really hard for um, even me to, to believe it, but it's trust the markets. You know, try not to listen to all the noise or the people on the radio talking about various things. Um, so what, what would you say to someone who says, hey, the market's at all-time highs. It makes me nervous. Do I need to make any changes? What, what would you say to that? Well, my favorite quote is from um, my friend and consultant that you all go know, Nick Murray. He says, if you think the market's high now, just wait till you see it in 20 years. So, <laughs> yep. so but seriously, I, th- I think the thing we have to understand as investors is um, the markets are always unstable or always uncertain. Yeah. Um, we don't live in a world of certainty. I mean, that's the, the nature of investing is that it's always uncertain. So to be a healthy investor, you have to learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable. 
Yeah. It's just, it is, it is part, it is really part of the process. And so, um, you know, if you have a goal that's three to five years down the road, I mean, you shouldn't be in equities anyway. Yep. Um, but if you've got, you know, goals that are longer term in nature, uh, there's an 8% uh, expected return in stocks over cash. And markets are positive 75% of the calendar year. So if you were a baseball manager and you had a batter batting 750, even though you knew he was going to strike out one out of four times, you would want him at bat every single day. And you don't know when those good days are coming or those bad days are coming. So really, you have to set your sail and just accept that uh, that you're going to have downturns periodically. Yeah. And um, we can talk more about the market being high and some thoughts on that because I do have a couple on yeah, that. Yeah, I, 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 I want to I keep talking about that one. And plus, what what do you think about folks who are trying to outperform the market? We've got that and a few other additional questions here coming up with Jeff Manier and all of us here at Wise Money with Cordhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike, alongside Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Special thanks to Bethel College, Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. We've got a special guest here today, Jeff Bernier, Certified Financial Planner from Atlanta, Georgia. We're talking about investment planning, investment philosophy. Is the market too high right now? Should I try to outperform the market? What's my kind of core beliefs and that drive my investment strategy? A lot more to come with that. If you have a question, reach out to us, 574-222-2000 or wisemoneyradio.com. Lastly, Facebook, Twitter, and soon to be YouTube at Wise Money Radio. We left off with uh, a bit more to answer here on this common question. We get all the time and I see articles about it frequently. The stock market is continuing to hit all-time highs. Yeah, we've had some dinners recently, but we're near all-time highs. Is the market too high? Do I need to quick do something? And um, so what, what, what else would you add to that, guys? Well, I, I've, there's some research I've seen recently that since 1950, uh, the market is at an all-time high approximately 7% of every trading day. And that makes sense, right? Because we have a positive trending market. I mean, the average 60-year-old when they were born, the S&P 500 was at 44, and today is at 2,500. So, in a positive trending market, you're frequently at all-time at all-time highs. That's how it should be. That's what I want to say to folks. That's that's how it should be. We, as a planet, we're selling more gallons of milk ever <laughs> than we ever have before. Right now, there are more people on this planet who have needs in the general market is made up of the value of the businesses that are supporting those needs by this growing population. So folks, you can't get a perfect measure of what the value is each and every day. And there's a lot of concerns, ups and downs. That's why the market goes up and down, up and down. But it should, over long periods of time, continue to hit and reach and surpass all-time highs. Well, the ups and downs are what make uh, investors so nervous all the time, right? right. And I, I like to remind people that without those ups and downs, if there was no uncertainty or no risk, then there would be no returns either. That's right. Because you can look at the CD that you have in the bank and what kind of growth is that giving you, mm -hmm. right? That's not going to get you to where your goals are, are, are 
you know, where you're pointed. And so it's important to be reminded on a regular basis of the resiliency of our capitalist markets. Right? I, th- I think the important concept, too, is that volatility is not risk. The permanent loss of capital, that's risk. Yeah, sure. So mm-hmm. volatility is not, is not risk. Um, so, um, a- again, I agree. You're be- if you wish the volatility away, you wish the return away. That's yeah. right. So the return is compensation for sitting through the volatility. Well, that, and I'm just going to go back to one of my favorite words, discipline. It, we were talking earlier about Jeff's investment approach. It's very similar to ours, and it, it just harnesses being diversified and staying disciplined with it. So uh, we were talking at the break about um, Alan Greenspan's favorite, famous quote here. So Jeff, Jeff share, share with the folks what we were talking about at break. Yeah, I just, um, it's very difficult even, even for the so-called experts um, t- to predict markets. Um, you know, uh, Warren Buffett is probably the most successful investor in public companies in our lifetime, and he professes no ability to tie markets. So I think it'd be pretty egotistical for me to think I could time markets if Warren Buffett professes no ability to time markets. Yeah. But uh, I thought about that a little bit, and I wanted to go back and see when Alan Greenspan testified before Congress and warned that the market was too high and that we were in this phase of irrational exuberance was the term I'm sure you all remember. Right. And that was back in December of 1996. So in December of 1996, the S&P 500 was at 743. Yep. Uh, it essentially doubled in the next three years. Wow. So when he was <laughs> warning of exa- – so if you had followed his advice and gotten out of the market – He's the Fed chairman, Exactly. Folks. So, so He's yeah. the smart guy. He's the smart guy. Yeah. Yeah, if you had followed uh, that line of thinking and exited the market, you would have basically – uh, lost uh, th- th- again. The, the the market doubled in the following three years. Now let's say he was right just early. Okay, so yeah, he w- he was right that things did run up too high, irrationally high. And for a season, then he was right for a couple of years. And Jeff said earlier the S and P five hundred now is twenty two hundred, twenty five hundred. It, it's it's significantly higher. So at that time, if you would have said well, market's at all time highs, I better get out. Well, if you didn't need the money until now, you would have gotten out at a significantly lower value than where the market is today. So, yeah, I think the big idea here is as financial advisors, and it's been already said, our role is the behavioral coaching, but helping people understand what the trade-off is, because most of us want certainty, most of us want control. And when you're investing, if you have certainty and control, you're, you're giving something up. Yeah. So really, to, to, to put together a good portfolio, you may have the illusion of certainty or the illusion of control. And because there are certainties that are baked into the deal, and there's a certainty that 20 years from now, the market will be considerably higher than it is today. And people say, well, how can you know that and show it to me and prove it to me? And um, y- you can't. Uh, you, y- it might not be true this afternoon. Yeah. But that's, that is what, what helping people see what, it, what is unseeable and have a vision for these are the tools that are going to help you achieve your goals, whether you understand them, whether they uh, make you feel very comfortable, um, these are. Th- this is how you get it done. I want to, and we've we've done this before. I want to replace those two C words with 
two other C words, certainty and control. You, if you feel you've got that, it's just an illusion, folks. What we're trying to do, what your certified financial planner is trying to do is replace those two C words with clarity and confidence. Clarity over what your goals are and confidence that you're taking the right approach to get there, which is very different than the confidence that I know Apple's going to sell a certain number of new iPhones, therefore you should buy Apple now. Or what breaks my heart is you should have sold Disney before they said their profits were going down. Oh, <laughs> just hurts my feelings. Um, but, folks, we have no certainty or control over that. Yeah, let me help you with a couple of other things I think would be helpful definition replacements. So we're always talking about the stock market. So is the stock market too high or is the stock market too low? Is What is going on with the stock market? I would encourage your listeners to think about the world's great businesses. Forget about the stock market. The stock market is just an auction market which is putting buyers and sellers together. If you're not a buyer or a seller that day, the price is irrelevant. What you really want to do is look at the value of the businesses because your shares in these companies is your equity in these enterprises. So you own the world's great businesses. That's right. And the reality of it is, is the value of those businesses change a whole lot less than the price of the stocks. And so the key is just think you own corporate America or you own the best managed, well-run companies in the world. And over time, you should expect a positive return on those because they're profitable. And they're profitable two-thirds of the time because the economy grows two-thirds of the time. So again, this is not rocket science. You want to harvest those that trend by owning a basket of the world's great businesses. And don't worry about the stock market. Worry about these businesses that you own. So, you know, in the Great Recession, when Coca-Cola stock might have been down 40%, well, the value of Coke was not down 40%. It's just sellers were willing to sell it at a 40% discount. But their sales didn't go down 40%. Their assets didn't go down 40%. So my point is, I think to be a healthy investor, it's really helpful to think you're a shareholder in the world's great enterprises. That is golden advice right there. Yeah. That you, you need to uh, hit replay over and over <laughs> and burn that into your mind because you're exactly right. I mean, these great businesses, are they, they have a tremendous track record of dealing with the curveballs that the economy throws, politics throws, the weather wars, you name it, companies like Coca-Cola have found a way to continue to be profitable regardless of what the environment is and regardless of what their stock price is on any given day. Well, there are such companies like Circuit City or Enron or some companies, guys, that were once great no longer exist. And, And while I agree with everything you're saying, that's where we also believe in being diversified. Using mutual funds hold a large basket of the world's best and greatest because we truly don't know which of those will be enduring great companies or which of those might succumb to um, other challenges that they're not able to overcome. So one of my favorite questions, and and we're touching on it, but I want to hit this here soon, is should my investments beat the S&P 500? Now, Jeff, you just kind of blew up this notion of the index. Um, but I want to come back to that. One of my favorite questions, we've got a couple other listener questions as well that we're going to hit. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for listening today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Kevin Corhorn next to Josh Gregory in the KFG Studios. We're also joined by special guest Jeff Bernier from Atlanta, certified financial planner, been a friend of ours, collaborator with us on various things about our practices, both retirement planning, investment planning, tax planning, all sorts of things. If you've missed anything, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can catch this episode as well as every other. Jeff asked when he was coming in the studio, how many shows have you guys done? I think this is 105, something like that. So you can get that full library right there uh, at the website or on iTunes and Google Play in the podcast. If you have a question, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574-222-2000. So one of my favorite questions that we've ever received here on the Wise Money Show, we got, oh, about two months ago. It was from listener Renee, and I love this question. And knowing that we were talking about investment planning today and what the concepts were all going to be about, I thought, we've got we to bring this question back and re-answer it and see how Jeff would answer it. So essentially, listener Renee asked the question that you've all asked yourself at one point or another, and it is, should my investments beat the stock market? How would you answer that, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think what I would start with is we just finished a segment on trying to address concerns of clients who were concerned the market was too high. And so it seems to me we're getting two questions today. We're getting one with people who think the market's too high and the next shoe's <laughs> about to drop and what do I do to get defensive? And we've got other investors who are concerned that or they ask the question, why is my diversified portfolio not doing as well as the market? I, I have gotten that those questions from the same folks back to back. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. It's just common. And folks, right. I, I ask myself that question. Is the market too high? Should we be beating the market? So I get it. Yeah. 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 And, and in terms of should you be equaling or beating the market with your portfolio, it's largely a question of time horizon and risk, it seems to me. And as I, as I mentioned before, um, you know, we don't believe that outperformance is a financial goal. So if we could meet all of your financial goals with less risk than the market, it would be irrational to have as much risk as the market. Irresponsible, Correct. even, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Because I've met uh, very few investors. Um, matter of fact, I'm not sure if I really met any investors who are really thoughtful about it, who are really prepared for a 50% erosion of their principal in a very short period of time. Yep. And that's what you've got to accept if you have a 100% equity portfolio today. And and that's what you would have to have to equal the market. So it's really a question, are, do you, are you taking as much risk as the market? Yeah. And the short answer is most people shouldn't be and can't. And I think the thing we forget about too is it's a matter of time horizon. So in the last five years, has a diversified portfolio beaten the market? Absolutely not. Right. But the nine years that ended 2009, the S&P 500 compounded at negative 3.6% per year. Right. And a diversified portfolio would have earned about 4% per year. So for that nine-year period, your balanced portfolio would have beaten the market by about 7.5% per year. Yeah. So you know, you tell me which time frame you want to look at, and I can tell you whether <laughs> you should have beat the market. But it's really a question of how much uncertainty you can stomach. And again, most clients should not expect to equal or beat the market, and nor should they, yeah. because it's not necessary to meet their goals. So is there an expectation you would set for the, the average investor out there who's maybe 
taking a disciplined approach, they are being diversified with their portfolio. What kind of range of returns should they expect over a long period of time? What, how, how do you answer that for your clients? Um, well, the, the interesting thing about the equity markets in particular, most capital markets, is they are, they are, there is some short-term momentum, but over long periods of time, there's mean regression, which basically means when you have a period of time of higher than average results, you're likely to have another season of lower than average results. Yeah. And those are long, those are a little bit longer term in nature. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, I mean, I would think uh, in today's environment, a reasonable expected return on a balanced portfolio is probably three and a half to 4% more than inflation. Yeah. Okay. So that puts you around six and a quarter, six, six to 7% return mm-hmm. would be a reasonable expectation today in a two and a half percent inflation environment. Yeah. Um, now, again, um, it's impossible to know, but that's that's the kind of – and I know you guys do the same thing we do. You know, we do scenario analysis, so we look at a, a, a whole range of outcomes. Uh, when we do our modeling, that's the midpoint of the, of the outcomes. We use sure. we use something like inflation plus 35 or 4%. But time, time horizon, it, to me, that's always the most important question, and, and that is, uh, okay, so what – what kind of return should I expect? Well, if you're only going to invest for a couple of years and you need this money back in two years, folks, we have no idea. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's why it's so important to first start with what are your goals? When do you need this money? Because even the best investment over the long term is completely uncertain in the short term. So figuring out a balanced mix that can help you reach your long-term goals in any given year, you have no idea what that return is going to be. But due to the analysis that a certified financial planner can do over the long term, you get pretty close to what that long-term average should be. Very interesting that if you look at the U.S. stock market, the average of the stock market since the Great Depression, say, is a certain amount, how many times has the stock market in any given year actually hit that average? Never happened, folks. When you take the long-term average, it averages to one number. The stock market has never, ever returned in one year what the average has been. So it's all about time horizon, folks. And most people, they look at their experience and they say, that's what the market is. That's what the market's done. So if you're newer to investing, say you started investing in 2009 or 2010, for the most part, you've seen all reward and no risk. Yeah. And so it really depends on when you started in investing. And so I, I, would, I would encourage people to think we're going to have a down market one to two of every five years and be very, very leery when you hear the words, this time it's different because I've lived through two pretty nasty bear markets. The two worst since the Great Depression. And each time there were really smart guys saying, this time it's different and here's why. And you know what? They were wrong. So let's talk about some of those scary times because it's really easy for us to talk about our belief in the market and how long-term they're always going to go up when we haven't seen a bear market in eight years. Okay, so very easy. But can the we got this question from Samantha, listener Samantha. Could the stock market ever go to zero? And I'd follow up with, what's the scariest 
moment in investing you've ever seen. So, Jeff, why don't, why don't you... Yeah, I, I think the first one I would say is for the market to go to zero, um, every human being on the planet would have to believe that every corporation in America and the world is worthless. That would include right. their real estate, their inventory, um, their, their, you know, their uh, capital. Um, and so, uh, you know, theoretically, could it happen? Uh, I mean, I guess in some weird alternate universe. But every human being on the planet would have to think that every business is worthless because there would be no bid. Nobody would come in and buy it. Essentially, that all of your needs as a human being could be met by yourself Correct. or your that, land as opposed to a business or your neighbor. That's right. And, and that's why the comment I made earlier about thinking about the world's great businesses and better the stock market is, is helpful. Yeah. Um, so the, I've been through a few things. So I've been through the 87, you know, Black Monday. I've been through the Gulf War. I went through the 94 bear, uh, bond bear market. 98, we had a currency crisis. Um, you know, we had the tech bust. We had the Great Recession. So we've been through a few. Yeah. By far, the worst for me was in the fourth quarter of 08 and the first quarter of 09. And it wasn't because of the magnitude of the decline, quite frankly. It was because of the lack of trust in the system. Because uh, there was very little trading, especially in fixed income. And that was that was a bit different in terms of, of our experience. But I learned a lot mm. from it. And one of the things I learned uh, was, number one, academic research won't help you. So I, I've read a lot of books. I did a lot of study. It really boils down to do you trust markets? And over time, we, we do. So we, yeah. didn't, we didn't make any rash changes. The second thing is the financial plan. The financial plan kept people from making irrational decisions at exactly the wrong time for the wrong reasons. Yep. So the planning was key. Number three was we stayed disciplined to our process. So we're buying equities yep. when the market was down and selling bonds, and we're selling bonds when bonds are up and equities are down. And then finally, to have a plan B. So to run a fire drill before you need it. So if you're overfunded to your goals, what changes are you likely to make today while things yep. are good? Yep. If you're underfunded for your goals, what changes are you likely to make? So if you have those environments, you at least know what your options are. Wonderful. Wonderful. Stuff. Yep. Thank you so much for being on the program today, Jeff. I look forward to having you on again in October. Folks, on behalf of Jeff Brun- Jeff Bernier, excuse me, and Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend, folks. We'll see you next week for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.